Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I am your fill-in host, Barnabas Piper, here as always in studio with my good friend, Ronnie Martin. Ronnie, how are you? Good, man. It's nice for you to call me uh, Ronnie, not Ron. Not, not Ronald. Not I forget. What does Ron, Ted call Ron, me? Ronald I, J. Ron. Yeah, something. I, I, he always calls me a name that nobody in the world actually <laughs> calls me. So <laughs> I, I, I perpetually get a kick out of here in studio with, which I think is the joke because, you know, I've never actually been in a studio with either of you. That's never happened. So, Correct. Uh, you might yeah. be in a studio right now, but I'm not with you. Um, I'm in an actual studio, yes, but it's, right. yeah, we're not together. Everybody because that's that. a thing yeah, you invest not, a fair yeah. amount of your creative energies in, and, and I don't have a studio. I have a desk in a room. Which is kind um, of the modern-day podcasting studio now. So there you go. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. Uh, Ted is frolicking in Las Vegas. I haven't seen any like TikToks or YouTube videos of him getting in any trouble, so apparently what's happening Which in Vegas is so is weird. so weird that he hasn't there. posted any TikTok. You know, yeah, and he hasn't, uh, you know, you know hasn't been featured on like cops or anything yet. So that's good. Apparently, KK's Pipe, I just think it's, I think it's just weird that he goes to Vegas for a vacation. <laughs> I just that just strikes me so funny, man. It it really is like if you could list the places where Ted would go, I yeah, that one's a shocking one. I mean, maybe it shouldn't be because he he is nothing if not enigmatic. But uh, no, it it's true, and I, I don't. Yeah, it well, yeah, it feels shocking for some like I don't know why he goes there and I think the last time last year when he went there didn't he describe like kind of like not really leaving the room that that much which I thought well, was, was so Yeah, funny. it was basically like they ate and hung out at like the pool at their hotel and then they had they had like the they had like you know the the Godfather suite kind of thing so it was just cool to hang okay, out there. Okay. Well, but, that makes sense. Yeah, right, that that actually makes sense because it, you you are just going out to a hot desert town where the the only thing you can do is lay out by the pool unless you want to, you know, hit the town and you know go to all the casinos and I so and they're probably not doing that. So they they're just going to a hot desert town in the summer and laying out by the pool. That actually makes sense. But I wouldn't be at all surprised know. if he places a few bets at sports books. But you know, that's uh, I, I yeah. don't think he's much of a casino guy. Like it's hard to see him, you know, hanging out till three a.m. at the blackjack table. I think he's the guy that wants people to think he's the casino guy, but he's actually just holed up in his room watching like ESPN classic clips of something, right? Yeah, he's just he's just watching the NFL channel, like breaking down offensive lineman footage from nineteen eighty seven. Right. Just kinda like looking at his looking at his, you know, watch, wait, you know, asking KK like, Hey, when when are we leaving again? When do we get to go back home? Yeah. But, and apparently apparently they do the dining scene, like the 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 culinary scene in Vegas is is a okay. enjoyment of theirs. So I've never been I guess, other than, yeah, the, yeah. than the airport. And I will say the Las Vegas airport is enough reason for me never to visit Las Vegas. So I mean, I, don't, I think I don't Pipe, you, you're onto something there. You're onto something because that's the casinos just feel like the airport. So if you've <laughs> if you've been in the airport, you've kind of been into the casinos. Well, I mean, you've been into a lot of the old casinos, but you know, like even the new casinos in Vegas feel like the old casinos. You know? Yeah, like what? And, what is the uh, difference? So, I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole scene, man. It's a whole vibe. But well, since since Ted is not on with us, we're gonna do what we often do when he's not here, and we're gonna we're gonna chop it up about ministry because it's a thing that you and I both 
uh, little art of pastoring pipe. Let's yeah, do it. art of pastoring with uh, Jared C. Wilson and Ronnie Martin, and uh, we spe- specifically want to get into like it, it's a wild and uh, I would say upheaval is a good word for how things feel right now yeah. in our country. There's yeah. with the gun violence and the the kind of the pending overturn of Roe versus Wade, and it's it's kind of rattled the foundations of things in the church. So I want to ask you some questions about that. Chop it up. Uh, in just a second, after we take a break for some ads. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, we're back. Um, so the, the first thing that I wanted to ask you is, yeah, so I, I'm pastoring at a church in Nashville. It's a, you know, it's a town, it's a big, it's a blend of a lot of people from a lot of different places. Uh, the city itself leans fairly, you know, kind of progressive. Then the outskirts are real conservative, like super red, uh, Republican, uh, which, which gives us kind of an interesting mix of like, we have to be conscientious to, we have we have people from all over the spectrum moving in from New York, California. We have you know staunch Republicans. We've got a whole mix, at, you know, at the kind of yeah. pastor in that. What's it like where you are in terms of sort of the, the general climate handling issues that that become political fast? Well, I mean, we're about in as red of a place as you can get. So it, you know, it kind of only leans one way, and then you know, and then we, then you have our church, which is. You know, I, you got we got a lot of libertarians in our church, and we do have some people that I think you know far right people would consider to be more progressive, and I would say they're just a little more middle, they're a little more centrist, and um, so I would say the clo- I say we mostly have libertarians and you know really really probably very right Republicans, and then we probably have some centrists that maybe tilt a little left. Um, if you were to kind of get get right down there in it with them, and um, but I think what's interesting about where where I'm doing ministry is that these things don't come up, and so since I'm a transplant, you know, I've only been there, I've only been here twelve years. Um, unless I bring things up 
unless I put things on the table and say, hey, should we discuss this? Should this be something that we bring up? Should we, um, you know, kind of make people aware of something that's going on that, that maybe they're not aware of or they just don't care? It feels like it's a little bit more of that sentiment because people certainly are not like busting through the door um, just really passionate about um, cultural issues or anything that's going on out there. And if they are, they're just super quiet about it. And because I'm a guy that is not super political by nature, I, I don't, I'm very careful about what I bring up and what I talk about. So it's almost like everybody walks around like almost afraid to either afraid to, to speak up or they're just super quiet about it. And so I, I think, you know, depending on the, the topic or the issue, um, unless I bring it up, it typically doesn't get covered. Is it strange? Is it the kind of thing where so you know we, we're pretty we're pretty apolitical in in how we in how we handle things at our yeah. church in terms like we never make an issue out of a political thing unless it is right. basically there's sort of a there's sort of a, a perceived water like water line where we're like if it's above that that means it's weighing on everybody's mind so we should address yeah. it in some way you know the the yeah. the rash of shootings was one of those, you know, um, we've been talking about behind the scenes, you know, if, and when, uh, Roe v. Wade is, is overturned, how do we address that appropriately? Um, those kinds of things for sure, but we don't make an issue out of it, but what we do get is occasional sort of squeaky wheel comments or emails. Hey, why don't you guys address this more? Okay. You know, and that ebbs and flows with, you know, uh, election season and things like that. But, um, you know, people have their their agendas, and they want to see that be the churches. Do you get that stuff, or is it totally pretty? Just like, nah, it, we're just going to go through life. We don't really worry about that stuff. You know, I, it's it's more the latter, and you know, it's funny you mention um, you know the shootings. I was actually gone last Sunday, you know, which was you know kind of on the on the heels of all that. And I, I actually have I actually have some notes where I'm going to address it a little bit on Sunday, believe it or not, and because um, I I believe it's one of those things that should be addressed and acknowledged. And I think, um, you know, we're in a small town um, in mid-Ohio, and it's kind of a bubble, and there is a sense that everybody is sort of sheltered from what's going on out there. So I always, I'm always trying to wrestle with, hey, is this, is this a good, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want us to stay sheltered and bubbled because, you know, the people, that are, the people that are experiencing things, especially when we talk about shootings, the people that are suffering you know, a lot of these people are part of the larger universal church, they're brothers and sisters. And so we need to acknowledge that in as much as we can, we can pray for them, you know, we can bring to light things that are hard and that, you know, when, you know, weep with those who weep and all of those types of things. And so, um, but I feel like it, I have to be so intentional in doing that because I don't, nobody comes to me saying, Hey, how, how come you, how come you didn't talk about, you haven't mentioned Roe v. Wade or, you know, how come we're not addressing some of these issues that we're all so concerned about? Because I, you know, I'm not saying nobody's concerned about them, but we, it just is not, it's not the language. It's not the topic of conversation. And by the way, I am, as I am saying this to you pipe, I am totally perplexed by it. <laughs> I'm totally perplexed. I mean, yeah, that's, that is interesting to me because it, I mean, I suppose some of it probably has to do with church backgrounds. Like some people grew up in a, in a context where the church was hyper political. And so they either want to flee that. They're like, if they see an American flag in a church, they're running for the hills. Or they're like, no, that's how it ought to be. The pastor ought to be a political pundit. Yeah. They're, they ought to be sort of a cultural commentary. Um, and I, I generally don't feel any pressure from the people. You know, like I said, there's the occasional yeah. sort of comment from somebody. But 
those are almost always best handled as as one-on-one conversations either hey here's here's how how i think about this that kind of thing why we're not addressing it up front uh how do you decide what to address from up front if there's not sort of a if the people in the church don't seem to have sort of a there's no there's no sort of like pulse for these things you know your fingers not on the pulse and they're like oh this is a this is a big issue for them we need to address this how do you decide what to bring up in in service i mean that's a good question i mean since i have a team you know it'll be something like you know hey is this something that should be addressed i'll talk to melissa Is is this something you feel like should be addressed so you know when we talk about what happened you know with the shootings i feel like that's something that needs to be addressed because there's a general outpouring of grief you know that's nationwide over these things and that that to me just needs to be addressed that is not a political i i know it has gone to political places um and so i won't you know i'm not going to talk about gun control when i bring this up i'm i'm going to talk about you know loss of life and grief and some of those types of things so i just don't i won't go to those areas you know obviously i i think i think a lot you know a lot of the churches that we would associate would not do that either um but i think you know, if it's something if it's something that can only be addressed, um, and it's political in nature, then I typically I typically won't address it. But if it's something that has become politicized, which I know is like everything right now, but on the face of it, it shouldn't and it doesn't need to be, or it's it's something I can talk about and I don't have to do that, then then that's one of the considerations for me. Yeah, the the politicization. I don't even know if that's a word. I'm gonna go with. That I know anyway. it sounds great. You sounded great though. It was good. You just sound like I'm tripping over syllables here. Um, exactly. <laughs> the the politicization of uh, of everything does complicate things because yeah, there's when when there's a tragedy that with a, a massive loss of life and and so particularly saddening because it was 19 kids and then and exactly then, uh, yeah. I think two teachers or two adults. Um, that's that a pastor should be able to address that pretty, uh, pretty clearly without anybody feeling like he's, he's treading on me, you know, the don't tread on me yeah. kind of vibe. Whereas sure. something, something like uh, Roe versus Wade is, is absolutely a moral thing, but it has been political for 50 years or whatever it's been right. what's that 70 1972 something like that yeah. and so yeah, yeah. it's uh that one's more complicated because when you take a stance you are unintentionally associating yourself with a political position even though mm-hmm. what you're really doing is saying no I, I i would like to define life and and dignity and value for both the unborn and the mothers of the unborn according to scripture and not not according to a donkey or an elephant um how is i mean as you look ahead with that one i'm putting you on the spot here as you look ahead yeah. to how that might have ripple effects how do you think through th- those implications because that's that's an inescapably political thing it is and i you know it's so interesting because we this town we're in is like it, it is decidedly christian you know it, it's a most people would identify as you know we believe in God. We're spiritual people. Uh, we're Christian people. So there's a there's there's kind of a uh, there's a general level of hey we we think God and you know morality in the way that in the way that we understand it, which would make us you know anti-abortion or pro-life or however you want to phrase it. You know, um, I'm, I'm not going to get any arguments 
you know, there, there's just, there's, there's nobody there to push back because of the nature of the culture here. Um, so for me to say, Hey, um, Roe v. Wade, you know, that whole thing was just abolished. And it would, for me, it's like, I can state that and the plate, half the place is probably going to cheer. Um, but the, the question is, what do I say after that? Right. And it's like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know how to get into the weeds of it or the implications of it. Or I, I mean, I don't know that we, I mean, you know, these are complicated things, you know, is this something that we cheer for? Is it, is it, you know, is it something that we, we want to talk about and discuss because it meant it's a historical thing that's happening after 50 years. And as people of faith, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I am anti-abortion, you know, so that's, so to me, you know, I can look at it just point blank and go, well, that's good. Um, but I know it's not that simple. I think that most, most people who are not getting into the weeds of all the implications of it, it's going to be very simple for them in the sense that this is something that should never been a part of the United States. It's banned. And now we're, we're back to being sort of the Christian nation that we've always been with the exception of this particular blight, you know? Yes. And I know it's not that simple, yeah. but it also doesn't mean it's not significant either. I, I honestly don't really know where I would go. I, would, I need to sit down with my team and, you know, have us read right. through it. All right, I have a follow-up. It's follow hard. Up. I mean, what do you, what do you, oh yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I have a follow-up question on that, um, just in terms of the, or kind of question slash observation. So in the context where, where I am, I, I mean, I would venture to say that the vast majority of our church is pretty explicitly pro-life. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, wh kind of wherever they fall politically, values-wise, they, they're, they're pro-life. But we're in a milieu and, and kind of a place where like, women's women's rights women's health and i don't want to say yeah. those are progressive things because I, I would venture to say like women's rights and women's health are, are good moral categories as well um mm -hmm. not just sort of a political position but the complexities of it i think are a little bit more in people's face um there's not just sort of a simple like well i'm glad i'm glad that's that got overturned or that will get overturned and so right. you know we we've been wrestling through it and trying to think okay how is this how do we then take this potential significant political uh, judicial decision and kind of springboard it into, hey, this is how we, we support single moms. This is how we support orphan care. Yeah. This is how we value life in these ways so that none of those accusations of you're pro-life, but you hate this and this can you, you're like, not really like these <laughs> here's have you guys have you guys thought through and talked through that is that something or again is that kind of like those are not issues that people are throwing stones about uh in your context they're not i mean you know those are going to be conversations we are going to have we haven't had those conversations yet and now after you said all that pipe i'm just thinking maybe we'll take a trip to uh nashville and hang with you guys and hear what you guys have to say about it but um yeah it's not really uh it's not really anything we've addressed yet and i think um you know, some of this stuff is personal pipe. Like I, I've just, I, I know that, um, I know that over the last few years, you know, there's a sense that, you know, pastors need to be courageous and they need to not be silent about certain things. I agree with that. I also think there needs to just be wisdom, um, with, you know, in that mix, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm always, my two things are this, am I trying to just stir things up because it's a pet thing, uh, uh, you know, position of mine, um, is it wise to bring it up? 
Um, like what's the collateral damage going to be by bringing it up? Now, again, that you can't always use that because sometimes things need to be brought up and addressed, even if it's going to offend a large amount of people, if it's the right thing to do. Um, but I also, the, the other thing that I'm always asking is like, is, is this a question that people are actually asking in our <laughs> congregation? So yeah. it's like, it's cultural too, right? It's like contextual in the sense that like, why am I bringing stuff up that, I, you know, maybe they're, maybe they talk about it in their kitchens, like, but it doesn't reach my ears and I, man, and, and I'm not, and I'm not, you know, man, we're not some mega church where I'm like the guy on the top level of the penthouse suite prepping sermons 50 hours a week. Like I'm down in it, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm hanging and it's just, these things don't come up. So I need to figure it out. It's a good question. And even talking to you about it, it makes me think that I need to go a little bit. I need, I need to take some, some deep dives and, and do some better homework on it for sure. Cause it's just so complex. Mm-hmm. And you know what, man, we know over the last couple of years, I mean, I, you know, a lot of us spoke up about certain things and we did it in a way that we thought was gracious. And it wasn't even the way in which we said it. It was the what that we said that got us into trouble. And so, man, there is a lot of just, you know, there's a lot of just, there's a lot of that in place where it's like, oh no, you know, um, I don't want to, I don't want to go back two years when, you know, I, I, I said this and it turned into this massive thing where, you know, we had to send out, you know, uh, you know, statements and position statements and all of that. So then there's a part of, there's like some fatigue in that given the last couple mm-hmm. of years where it's like, Oh, I don't, man, I don't want to get drugged back into that. But again, we're pastors, right? So we, we, we don't have the luxury of doing that necessarily either. We got to be strong and courageous where we need to be strong and courageous. But I'm just, I feel a little mixed up about it. If I'm, yeah. if I'm being honest, you know? Yeah. All right, let, let's take a quick break, and then I have a question about uh, something you just said. Okay, uh, you were just talking about the conversations in your congregation, you know, whether or not they reach your ears, sort of the, again, sort of the pulse on the, on the, the vibe, the feeling, the concerns. Where does Twitter play into that for you? Because I find it um, jarring, uh, even, even, in, even in Nashville, yeah. where, like, you would think these are all you know, social media invested people, et cetera. I find it jarring that what is raging on Twitter often it's not even on the radar screens of normal people in church, let alone like a mild <laughs> concern of theirs. Like there's, there's just yeah. a, a massive disparity. And so, you know, I'll get worked up about something in my, my mind or my soul. And then I'll go talk to like three of our elders who, who they really have, an understanding of who, like how are people in the church doesn't come up. They're not that upset about it. They're not, they're aware, but they're not, there's no rage. And I'm like, where did I go wrong? What did, what did I miss? How, how, (laughs) and I feel like that must be even a bigger chasm in your world because of how you've described your context. Well, you know, this is no joke. You know, we're a church of, I don't know, 250 people. Um, I think there's five people in our congregation that are on Twitter. And I, I just know that, right? Because we have Facebook pages and I, I kind of have a good sense of who's on social media. And um, so I don't even know what percentage that is, Pipe, because I'm really bad at math. But that's <laughs> so Twitter is not <laughs> Twitter. It's not something that's triggering anybody in our congregation because nobody's on Twitter but me and, uh, and a couple other people. Um, and it, the majority of our church is on Twitter you know, Facebook and Instagram, and we just do a lot of church work on Facebook and Instagram, you know, in terms of the, how we operate and function structurally, we use that a lot. Um, so I, I'll tell you what I do talk about though. And I've talked about this 
pretty consistently over the years is, um, you know, um, the characterizations of Christians on social media and how we really need to be hmm. guarded about yeah, the things yeah. that we say. And so I talk about that a lot. And, it's, and it's, it's done in a way that says, hey, guard yourself from falling into conspiracy theories. Guard yourself about posting things that are not very welcoming or not very in, invitational in terms of, remember, we're in a small town. Other people, they, they notice what we're posting. They see what we're posting. And you don't want to put yourself in a position that makes it look like, hey, you can only hang with me if you hold this position. Right. I go, that's just not the way that we need to roll. I mean, there, there's, you know, there's nothing scriptural that, in fact, scripture would tell us to be the opposite of that. And um, so I think I do that a lot. Now, I don't know what kind of, I don't know what kind of effect that has had, um, but it's, uh, you know, we just don't have the angry church. It doesn't mean that people don't come in just grieved and angry about a lot of things. It just, it doesn't get talked about a lot. So I, I might be just conveniently unaware of how everybody's raging because I don't rage against those things. And I don't know if I put out, I'm just being honest right now. I don't know if I put out some kind of a vibe where people, when they get around me, it's like, well, you know, pastor R, that, those aren't his things. Those, those aren't his <laughs> quote unquote talking points. So, so we just don't even talk about that stuff around him because he doesn't seem to ever talk about that stuff, you know? Well, I, and I have um, to imagine that's yeah. uh that's freeing to people though, because it, there is something profound about, you know, gathering with people from church, whether it's on a Sunday morning or, you know, what some sort of more community gathering and never raging. Like we just spent yeah. two hours together and there was some element of worship and some element of community. And so like laughter and, and genuine life mm -hmm. being shared and all these things. And, and never once did we rage about guns or <laughs> right. about yeah. abortion or about political positions or whatever. And, uh, and just to kind of, so to offer that, it'd be like, actually, that stuff's off limits here. Not, not because we're yeah. going to kick you out, but just because it, it doesn't really make it in the door in the first place. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't foster good community, right? It's like, the thing is too, Pipe, is this is the same for you. Like, I, you know, I am going to have differing opinions. And I, I say this from the pulpit. Like, we are going to have differing opinions uh -huh. on some of these things. But like, man, I just, I want to love you. I, I have to love you. I need to love you despite your opinion on these on some of these like these issues and yeah. like i just so for me i'm almost protecting myself you know especially on from a political standpoint because i you know i'm called to love them regardless of where they're at politically and so to to in order for me to do that in a way that's honest and authentic um i don't need to i don't need to i mean i can already guess what y'all y'all think about gun laws right because <laughs> you know because <laughs> yeah. you know i mean 99% of the people in our church are, are hunters, you know, and they're also conservationists, right? So they're, it's all good. And I'm actually all good with that, you know, but like, I don't need to get into the, the politics, uh, whatever that word you made up is uh, over those things. It's like, Hey, you guys, you guys deal with that and do, but do it in a way that's gracious and that considers other people's opinions and is not angry and abrasive about it. That's what I'm going to deal with. Yeah. Is not, it's not what you believe or what you say, but how you say what you believe that as a pastor that, I mean, primarily sometimes you got to get right in there with a the belief and just go, you know, that's straight up wrong. That is not a, I mean, we don't find any alignment with the gospel or scripture in that. So we need right. to be careful on that, but you know, you can hold that opinion, you know, and be okay with it as long as you communicate it in a way that reflects Jesus. And that's what I'm concerned with is how you're, is, is, you know, what that, what kind of light you're, you're putting out for everybody. And, I mean, you know, I, I it, it's so, 
I, I think social media is largely to blame for this. The 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 sort of like dividing line over issues where basically you can't be friends with somebody if you fall on different sides of an issue. Right. And I think about the church context and I go, if that's the case, then all the commands about like bearing with one another, if there's a grievance, forgive <laughs> one another. It's set like just they just don't matter. I don't need to bear with anything. They we don't disagree. matter. Go why get you, out. Right? Because why would you need to? If you yeah. agree with everybody, there's no bearing necessary. And yeah, you could just you can leave. I don't need to bear with you. Let's let's save each other the trouble of doing this hard work of <laughs> of you know actual Christian fellowship. And uh, and how little like if that's the defining way you value somebody, how much have you just diminished humanity? In in the sense, oh like, my gosh. You, yes. Okay, so yes. Let's hypothetically say you are in favor of gun ownership and kind of total freedom on that, maybe reasonable restrictions, whatever. I am against gun ownership. Yeah. If I look at you and I think, because of your stance, we can't be friends, that, that is, I mean, that's like a version of legalism that is. I don't even have a word for it. It's just astoundingly unbiblical because yeah, it's crazy. I have boiled the entirety of your personhood down to a stance on an issue or, yeah. you know, and, and so, and I know. nothing I know. about your marriage, nothing about your kids, nothing about your character. I've, you know, I've just disparaged your character because of your position on something, nothing about your, exactly. your gifts or your contributions to the church, nothing else that matters. But it seems like that's, that's that's what social media and kind of the, the public persona of discourse asks us to do. Judge people according yeah. to these things and disassociate and disparage those who fall on the other side as opposed to any sort of bearing with. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, that's such a great point, man. I, you know, and I think what I, what I would like to see our church operate as is, a, is you know, a church, a church before the advent of social media, if that's even possible, which it's not, it's not possible, but we can also do exactly what you are describing, which is, Hey, those, those are tiny, those are tiny differences when you really boil it down to the things that actually are more significant in what we share in terms of our commonality. Like if, you know, if we really hold to this gospel truth, that is massive. I mean, that, that is like a universe of truth compared with like a grain of an opinion about a particular issue um, that is, you know, that, that is that has been really relegated to the United States of America in this particular moment of this in this particular point in history. And it's like there has to be bigger things than that. There, and there is bigger things than that. So can we just stay focused on the bigger things and allow you to have freedom to have that opinion and allow me to have freedom to have the opinion I have if it's different? It's like, oh my God, it's almost like, we're, are, like, are we chill? It's like Paul talking to those churches saying, are you, ba- are you children? Like, are, can you really not get along? Like, it's like First Corinthians 1. He's like, are, really? Like, like, you guys are pitting me against, you know, Apollo? Like, you're, you're doing this whole thing? Is it that infantile? You know, that we can't, we should, like the unity that we have on the big things, those things are so ginormous that you're trying to tell me that these other little dividing things are what's killing you right now. And Paul's basically saying, you're killing me with that, you know? Yes. And absolutely. yeah. 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 I, I mean, I'm, I think about um, when Jesus called the, the 12 disciples and uh, I, some of those guys are, are like labeled with political 
You know, you you've got uh, oh yeah. You've yeah. got a tax collector. You've got, I think, Simon the Zealot was one of them uh, who would totally. have wanted to kill the tax collector, quite literally. Uh, <laughs> you know, you've you've got these kind of good Hebrew boys who, who grew up going to, you know, go, learning the Old Testament and going to school. Like the, the, the spectrum of those guys is, is crazy. And, uh, is. and Jesus is like, no, for three years, you're going to go everywhere together. You're going you're gonna to be unified around me. And then you're going to start the church for the world. Yeah. And yeah. somehow we have totally lost the plot line of, you know, if, if I'm a, you know, if I'm a Roman, I, in Christ, I, I should be able to be unified with a zealot. And, yeah. and that, that's not worse than Republicans and Democrats or, you know, guns and no guns or whatever. And, and I realize that there's a there's a moral component to these things because like when you when you take an issue like um, abortion and you divide it along political lines, you're like, well, if you're a Democrat, you're probably pro-choice. You know, that's sort of the, the yeah. projection, and therefore yeah. we have a moral difference. But even there, like, y- you can have unity in Christ with moral differences to a degree. You know, yeah. and again, I'm not saying I'm yeah. not saying that 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 I think being pro-choice is right, but I am saying you can bear with in the hopes of repentance or course correction or change. And we we just we just I don't know. I think it feels like we're not willing to do any of the hard work in and around unity in Christ. Well, I mean, don't you think too? I mean, like what you just said is so interesting, right? It's what we do is we assign an identity onto people based on one particular opinion, assuming that somehow that opinion can never be altered, it can never be changed. And again, with 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 the failure of looking into the mirror at ourselves and thinking about the things that we have thought wrongly on, the things that God has changed our, you know, way of, you know, way of looking at, at particular issues and, and, you know, uh, all over the, you know, whether they're political or whether they're spiritual. I mean, we've all, we all grow and we all develop and we all have a hard time getting past certain things that have been ingrained in us for years and years. And it's amazing that we, we look at somebody and they might say, well, I'm not sure. I think I more land on this side of the equation. And we, we treat that like, that's it. Like there's, <laughs> there's no, like there's no, there's no possibility that you're that you can that you can you're like you just basically stated that you're like an anvil and you're immovable and it's like well but you're not you know and what about the things that I'm immovable on that maybe like I shouldn't be that aren't they're not great opinion they're not great uh, stances and opinions and positions I I don't know um, and I think as we grow in Christ we we just we just get more forgiving and gracious about those things we're not so freaked out because somebody might believe something. Again, not knowing any which way that they came to that position, but but to literally just sort of like cast them out instead of saying, "Well, I don't know how they got there." I, there's a million different ways they could get there, and it does. And if I'm totally, if I think it's a, it's if I think it's in opposition to the gospel, then I can go, "Well, all right," but these people might be claiming that they love Jesus, so I got to listen to that. I gotta I gotta figure out why they land where they land, and I need to be gracious and quiet. I need to shut up yeah. a little bit. Well, and, and just listen. And the you know? basic assumption that if somebody, I'm trying to think how to articulate this well, if somebody um, claims to follow Christ, that they will, like, that sanctification happens totally and immediately. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, if you <laughs> if you become a Christian out of any sort of lifestyle, like, I mean, a fairly moral lifestyle, a heinous lifestyle, whatever, sanctification is going to happen for the rest of your life. Pride's going to be rooted out. Perspectives are going to be changed. You're going to understand things through different lenses. It's going to take forever. And, I, you know, you think about, like, Jesus and, and uh, uh, Zacchaeus, yeah, where yeah. he goes to his house, and Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus changes... His this sanctification wasn't complete over dinner. No, dude. Like, no. But I mean, Jesus yeah. said salvation <laughs> yeah. has come to this house today. Well, that was because Zacchaeus realized that that there was life in Christ that wasn't elsewhere. And then I imagine that the costliness, the difficulty. I don't know if he fulfilled all of his promises to pay back, but like the we just we are so. Uh, I don't know. Like, we we hold people to a standard that Jesus does not hold people to. I mean, he holds people to a much higher standard in some sense, and to a much easier standard in many other ways. And it's it, yeah, we just yeah. We, we get it's, it wrong. I mean, we get it wrong, and then I, I think, you know, I, I think even by I love even saying that I get it wrong, you know, because it means that there's hope in the way that I'm going to treat people that are coming at things differently because I don't know what their story is, I don't know how they arrived there, you know. So, you know, you can I, somebody posted something on. Twitter. It's probably somebody we both follow. I don't remember what it was, but the gist of it was, um, you know, you got two people that come to the Lord. Somebody comes to the Lord, and they're super. They're they're a super progressive, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And the other person, you know, comes to the Lord, and they're they're a super super conservative right wing thing. And we immediately think that like only the super progressive is the person that needs to be sanctified, right? Instead of saying, well, well, no, I mean positionally i mean there's there's they're both going to be in places that need sanctification because they they're both holding to something based out of um you know a a conviction that is either either aligns with with who Jesus is and Jesus's heart or or it doesn't and by the way some of those things are a little they're they're not so black and white even when we break that down but to but to look at like one but to look at the 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 right wing you know, Republican far right guy and go, he's the guy that doesn't need to change is ludicrous. But I grew up in a culture where it was like, no, that guy's okay. He just has Jesus now that, that helps affirm all of those things. <laughs> yeah. He rightly believes. Jesus plus the you Republican know? party. Yeah. Dude, hundred percent, man. Uh, there's new one for Kristen Dumay right there. Um, but you know, but that is just, that's, that's just false thinking, right? It's just false thinking. And if you just even, if you decide to read even one chapter out of some place in the gospels and you see the way Jesus was, was, was hammering the, the Pharisees and the scribes, I mean, you just, you, you just gain a, a deeper understanding on what that, on what that looks like, you know, but yeah. we, yeah, yeah. Let's take a quick break, and then I have a couple final questions. All right. Um, one, you, you, you were talking about how um, only, only, you know, only the progressive person needs to be sanctified. Um, and what struck me when you said that was, well, we know our listener base, and it, it for the most part, is going to lean theologically conservative. I'm not really sure where people are at politically. Thankfully, that's not sure. a thing we deal with very often. Um, yeah. But knowing many progressive Christians, they would your starting point determines how you where you go with that because they would look at conservatives and say you need to grow more like Jesus and yeah, and, and right. instinctively think we we are more like Jesus. So if you're progressive and you get saved, <laughs> right. you're already more sanctified. And so it's just wherever your starting point is, you you basically 
we instinctively become the Pharisee who says, thank God I'm not like that tax collector, that progressive, 100%. that conservative. It's just I mean, like, that's it right there. It's the instinctive starting point. All right, last, I think this is the last question. We'll see where this thing goes. <laughs> you, you brought up something earlier that kind of uh, gave me hives. You said something about either a position sure. paper or a statement. You know, I don't remember exactly how you phrase it, but like doing these things as a church. Um, I would just like to get Ronnie Martin's thoughts on, you know, signing a statement as a church or a position paper, like the value of those. When do you do them? I, to me, they just, I always cringe when it's like, ah, oh, there's a Chicago statement and a Nashville statement and a Dallas state. I don't know. They're just, they're always named after cities. It seems like, um, how do you, how do you navigate the statement and position paper world as a, as a pastor? Or are you just like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about that at all. I mean, we've only, and so in 10, almost 10 years, we, we, we released a statement one time. Um, and it was, it was, um, it was uh, summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it was after, it was after George Floyd and, um, and there was all that stuff going on. And we had some people, we had some members of the church that were, um, in a, uh, they were at a, in a black life. They were doing like a downtown black lives matter pro, uh, protest. And so it, it kind of came up in, you know, we had some leaders in the church that, you know, people had posted that, Hey, I'm downtown. I'm doing this. We, some of the leaders in our church like liked that on Facebook. And that caused a little concern with some people. We, we had some people leave the church over it, but it was, it became a thing. And so as a team, we just said, Hey, th- this thing's coming at us from all these different angles. Why don't we just send out an email and just say, hey, just so everybody understands, like this is where we are, we think we land, you know, we're st- all this stuff is new and people are dropping critical race theory, you know, all these words are brand new and all this, cre- yeah, it was just that whole mess, right? And so we just said, let's try to, let's try to have some clarity. I don't know, you know, and so we, we did our best and we released a statement. It was like two paragraphs and it just said, hey, this is where we're at. We, you know, we, we just, we, we want our lives to reflect, um, you know, the gospel, we think if some, somebody, you know, I think one of the things that we got hit with is why aren't you talking to people that are in a, you know, doing a BLM protest downtown? Like, you know, shouldn't they be like, like, why are you liking it instead of telling them they shouldn't do it? And we were basically saying, Hey, it's not, it's, we don't think we, we don't think we're in a position to tell them to not do that or to do that. You know, that's a personal conviction thing. And there's a, that it's very complex and layered it doesn't mean that they hold to everything the black lives matter organization holds to they're you know they're concerned about george floyd and so it was so convoluted that was the only time we did it Uh, to this day i kind of wish we wouldn't have wouldn't have done it and it was one of those it was just one of those when you're faced with a false dichotomy like yes essentially discipline these people for doing something that they were doing out of their convictions um where you're like, well, you're you're right or you're wrong. You, you kind of are stuck with uh with some wrong a collection of wrong answers. Have you guys ever? Yeah, it's a lose lose. Yeah. Uh, have you guys ever? You know, there's. I'd say in the last seven to ten years, I can think of two or three different times there have been statements written about, you know, sexuality, homosexuality in the church, the position on marriage. I think there was like there was a statement written in in um response to the legalization of, of same-sex marriage and stuff like that oh yeah have yeah. you signed them have you has you have you like 
hidden tuck them away in your church website as like your position on things or are you ba- are you just sort of like we're we're not we're not touching that yeah that's a really great question um no i never touch any of that i i never i never feel like i sh- i need to sign anything our de- our denomination so evangelical free church um they will they will they we got really good guys that are on the national board there that that work through these things and they're very thoughtful they're very compassionate and so they will they will compile statements of their own as because they they need to you know as a denomination and we like we have freedom to grab those things and you know put them in our bylaws or put them in our membership books and so i've done that because they you know these guys are way smarter than me and they've articulated these things they've researched these things really well and if as a team we look at that and go hey that that's because this thing has become the issue that it has um let let's let's take that and let's copy and paste it into like a membership book so that people coming into the church know like where we stand on yeah. that particular issue and that just simplifies it so we don't we don't got to get up on a soapbox and and you know and, and wave a flag it's just kind of like nah this is this is where we're at on that but see and i wish I wish to goodness that when those statements were written, they were presented that way. This is a resource mm. for your church yeah. to just sort of be like, this is the position we hold. We are in alignment with yeah. this. Not like by signing this, you've accomplished anything. You know, nothing changes when a oh, thousand man. churches or 7,000 churches sign a statement. Like every <laughs> gay person who wants to get married is still getting married and not coming to your church. Um, and, but, what you just said is really helpful because that's that's where I've run up against it in terms of like ah okay. maybe it is helpful is when you know we have a new members class and we we you know we go through we go through doctrine we go through church culture we go through all these different these different things you know church polity and somebody goes what is your position on yeah this yeah. and it's not you know it's never satisfactory to be like the biblical one also real, <laughs> real arrogant because um, everyone thinks they're they right. have the biblical position and yeah. and so yeah to, but to be able to refer to hey we we pretty much fall in line with this is is helpful and yeah i don't know i just uh the i'm i always cringe when those statements are put out because they seem super pretentious but if they were simply put out as hey here's a resource that you can refer to in your church as it's just sort of like a like a bit a document which you, you kind of fall in line with in terms of yeah this is our stance on sexuality and marriage this is our stance on pro life position this is our stance on dignity of human life etc. I, I guess they they are helpful in that way and you can well yeah it's it's the beauty of a denomination to be quite honest yeah. because we people when people come into our church and they say are you independent are you with the denomination we're able to lead them over to you know the free church efca.org and say this is who we're with um this is who we have signed up with you know um this is who we align with it just makes it a lot easier i remember um even you know when when the uh when the insurrection hit in you know january and last january and i remember the our president you know recorded a video the president of our denom and just said hey we don't support this here's the four reasons why and you know, just kind of took a real like gospel centered approach to why this was a really bad thing for our nation and all that. So I was able to say, "Hey, we don't stand by this." And by the way, you, you can you can check out this video because again, this is the organization we're with that doesn't stand with it. And so you feel like you have some you you have some some backing, you have some support. You're not just saying because, and yeah. it's really helpful. It's really helpful and uh, really helpful for me, you know, for sure. 
So I've, I've appreciated that. Yeah, that makes total um, sense. Yeah, we're, we're not part of a denomination. And yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of benefits in not being part of a denomination, too. Although I think I think the one you're part of is is probably one of the more open handed in terms of uh, authority and messing with yeah. churches and being bogged down in different things. So that, that there's, there's probably a lot of benefits there. But yeah, that is one thing that I've I, I think my position has softened on. I, I think five years ago, I would have said statements like that are asinine. And now I look at them and go, they're presented in an asinine way. And they can right. be very valuable exactly. resources. Right. That's what you see. That's what you're pushing against is the way that they're promoted. When is if they're just saying, hey, here's a resource for you. Um, we worked really hard on this. If this will help you guys in this time to be able to have something that you didn't have to figure out because we have guys that work full time to research these things and make these statements. It's like, yeah, dude, I love it. Thank you so much. This is so helpful. You yeah. Know? Don't treat them as so, momentous, yeah. just useful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm looking at my list of questions, and I think we pretty much covered everything. I think, I think we, we have, did it, man. I think we have solved all of the complex issues of pastoring uh, in intense political times. So, listeners, you're welcome. Um, yeah. Ronnie, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. We're done here. We're Our done. Work is done forever. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think the next time we record, Ted will probably be back on with us, glowing, uh, hungover, tan. That Vegas glow. Yeah. That tan Vegas glow. Yeah, yeah, just the, the the sunglass tan line, raccoon lines. It'll be great. You'll be able to hear it. <laughs> Not that we'll your, see that through your earbuds, yeah. listeners. <laughs> so, Ronnie, thanks. It's been great. And listeners, yeah, man. Until next time. We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on on your favorite podcasting app.